Let me just take a few moments on the front end and I'll share my name first of all, Mark Dean, and I think I've been able to meet many of you at least. Uh, let me share just a few things about what's happening at Lake Geneva, just in terms of a prayer and praise report. Uh, we have, this summer, we had an amazing summer. It was incredible. Uh, it was quiet. <laughs> and uh, where we usually have 9,000 little darlings running on these grounds, there are eight weeks of age-graded camps and 10 days of family camp. Where we typically have 9,000, we had 900. And uh, so it was a little quieter summer for us. Uh, as we think about camp and just the needs of camp and relax, we are not headed toward an offering. This is a praise report, okay? As, as we t think about the needs of camp, there are three areas that, that kind of stand out. One is, is operations. And uh, a second is uh, for our capital campaign, and the third is for debt retirement. So those kind of things, those are things that weigh, uh, and our leadership team kind of feels the weight of those as we, we realize the gift that God has given to us, the resource in this camp. And as we come to a point of having to cancel camps this summer, we uh, think first of all about just the, the area of operations. And when you talk about operations, you're talking about people that are our team. They're part of our family, our tribe. They live here year-round. They serve us when we come. And uh, we rely on them and we appreciate them. And so we, operations helps us to have an efficient team, a quality team. And uh, as we looked at operations, typically in family camp alone, we're out to raise $110,000 along with all that God does at family camp. There's a financial component. And so that was uh, missing, of course. And so we had service, we had five weeks of friends and family retreat. And during those five weeks, overall, the, the, the five weeks, we had 900 people here. So again, a much lesser audience. And uh, the... Uh, the scripture that comes to mind is from John where Andrew finds a little boy. He's got some loaves and his, some fishes, and he says, but what is this? What is this among so many? But God has a way of showing up and meeting the needs, doesn't he? And so we're here, and uh, we, take, we had some great preachers. They were all pastors from Minnesota. And uh, they, we had services on Saturday nights. And each Saturday, we'd take a, receive an offering. The first Saturday was the, the strongest because that was the family camp crowd. They're used to giving in a family camp offering. And uh, so it was up toward 10000 Over the course of the next few weeks, it, it totaled in at about 30000 or so, a little under that. Uh, so we were thankful for that, but that's nowhere near 110,000. And so on Monday, the, 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 uh, the Monday following our first week of family and friends, we had uh, uh, an envelope that arrived at the office, actually at camp here, and uh, Kevin, his team, opened it. And uh, when they opened it, it was a joyous, it was kind of a little, probably a little yelling, screaming, whatever, as they opened it and saw a check for $100,000. And someone just saying, you know... We just want you to use this however you need it at camp, at camp. Wow. This was from a donor that I can't remember ever being here. Just God laid it on her heart to give to this place and what happens here. And so we say, praise the Lord. That was operations. That was the operations piece of it. When we talk about debt retirement, 
we have 10 acres that we, a few, about five years ago, we purchased the Olson property to the south here. And uh, that's, debt is just not something that we want to maintain, that we want to live with if we can avoid it. And so uh, it just holds back programming and what God, we believe God wants to do here. And so with, with the 10 acres, we had, uh, coming into this year, about $600,000 left to be paid. Uh, the presbyters had been very diligent in working toward l- putting money aside for that, knowing that we had a balloon payment this year. And so they had set aside over $300,000 out of our just our district office budget. We were able to do that with God's blessing. But we were still 210000 So we shared that on those Saturday nights as well. And as we did, on the uh, first Saturday night, a gentleman came up to me and said, Man, that's that's fun to hear about that. I didn't really realize all the workings of that. And he just had some real positive comments. The following Saturday showed up again. Before service, he says, Mark, is that 210,000, is that still a need? Yes, it is. He said, I'll take care of that. I'll take care of that. And that was week two. That was the entire indebtedness of the camp. A check is in that man's possession, Pastor Jim's possession, Pastor Jim Philbeck, our secretary treasurer, great, just a great part of our team. And uh, 500 and some thousand. I don't know that he has it with him, but uh, under arm guard somewhere. And uh, on Wednesday, we will present the check to the former owner of that land, and uh, we'll be debt-free and able to dream going forward. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. (laughs) The third area of need as we think of camp is capital campaign, and uh, we, we have a need to expand. Now, this summer, you wouldn't have known that. But any of the last few summers, if you would have been here, you would have recognized that. When you have 7,000 kids and teenagers and counselors here for those eight weeks of camp, it's an incredible surge of energy. And uh, so we know we need more beds. And uh, we have a plan for that. We have worked through it. Pastor Kevin, our camp director here, has been working on it along with our team. And uh, so there is a plan in place. And it is, uh, came back to us uh, at $6.8 million. So that was that. When we talk about debt and we think about going forward, that's, a, that's an exciting uh, thought, isn't it? And so we, we began to work on that towards the beginning of this year, a little bit into last year as well. And uh, then COVID hit. And so we had to slam on the brakes. We had 20 appointments that we had, to, we had to change. We had to say, sorry, we can't come. They didn't want us to come. No one knew what was happening in the days to come. And so uh, we are still uh, with our foot on the brake. But Wednesday, starting this Wednesday, we do have an appointment. Pastor St. John has been a great part of that effort and uh, been such a leader in that for us and with us. And so we are working together on that. We'll see what comes on Wednesday. But I can tell you that pre-COVID and as of today of the 6.8 million, 3.9 million is now committed. Over a half million in the bank already. Thank the Lord. We just say praise God and uh, great things. God understands what happens here as it relates to the next generation. And we're here, a group of pastors, 
how exciting. Over 210, 20 pastors have came. It's more than we had last year in the midst of COVID. We are here and uh, God is with us. And so we know the value it has for us, but for our kids, for the next generation, I was at a church on Saturday night. The pastor's son, who is now a pastor, he says, Mark, I was seven years old when I was, I had to receive a call from myself. I was a PK, but I needed to hear from God myself. It happened at Lake Geneva at a kid's camp. And these are the stories that are repeated over and over again. So we thank God. In 1927 was not a good time to start a camp. They didn't realize that there was a Great Depression that laid two years down the road waiting for them. I'll reference it later when we get into the word. God's time is not our time. We listen to his voice. We go according to his spirit. And let's see what happens. I'm willing to roll those dice anytime. I'm not a gambler. It's not a gamble. Okay? Come on. Prayer and fasting is an incredible gift. It's an incredible discipline. And God wants those disciplines, those gifts in our lives. There's a gift that comes much more readily to me. And that's eating. It comes so naturally. I love food. I'm already dreaming about brisket tomorrow night. It's a guy's meal. And ladies, we're going to let you be a part of it. But I can't tell you how much over the past year, the discipline of fasting is, is uh, become a more highly treasured discipline in my life. I've grown to love Mondays. Mondays are my day to fast, and so this works out real good. Thanks for joining me. Uh, it's, it's a good day. I found myself praying in the Spirit more. I found myself more sensitive to the Spirit's leading in my life. I'm so thankful for this season. What God is doing in His church and in our lives and uh, he is calling us to a deeper life of prayer and fasting. In this first session, we just want to just kind of get it started. Here we are and uh, share a little bit of groundwork as to where we're going. Oswald Chambers said in this quote, you'll see it on the screen. Prayer does not equip us for greater works. Prayer is the greater work. It's not what equips us. For the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Sometimes we think of prayer as a spiritual exercise. If I exercise enough, I'll be ready. Yes, that's all true. But Oswald says, oh, you're doing the greater work. You're being here. And he goes on and he says in another quote, he says, prayer is the battle. It's not the preparation for battle. Prayer is the battle. We're, we're ready. We step out. We're led by the Spirit. And as we walk with him, the battle is ours, belongs to us. Over the next couple of days, we're going to have incredible opportunities 
to just receive from the word. Pastor Scott Wilson, man, I just can't wait. Uh, you've all, hopefully you've all received a book from him as you came in. And uh, he's just a great author, a great pastor, a great leader in our nation, in our church. And so looking forward to that, to being able to respond to the word as he preaches. Probably not coming forward to respond, but to respond to the word, to have individual times of prayer, to have corporate times of prayer as we will tomorrow at one o'clock. These are wonderful things. What, are, what an opportunity, what a privilege we have. And so in this first session, I want to just lay a little bit of groundwork for where we're headed in a couple of days together. Let me begin with this statement that I've shared with our presbyters on a different occasion. That is this statement. Uncertainty is unsettling. <laughs> Uncertainty is unsettling. Wow. Have you felt it in your spirit? I have. You're not alone. Uncertainty, it's unsettling in our spirit. The extended season of uncertainty encompasses every aspect of our lives, every part of who we are and what we do, how we do church, how we connect with people, where we can and can't go, business, politics, government, school, sports, finances, ministry, travel, meetings. This uncertainty is un settling and it impacts us it's nothing new to the lord proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12 the, the writer of this passage puts these words onto paper for us for tonight hope deferred makes the heart sick hmm i hadn't read that in reference to COVID until just recently. But I'm reading it that way today. Hope deferred. When our expectations are delayed over and over again for an extended time, we can experience wonderful things like disappointment, disillusionment, discouragement, loss of hope. That's what he's talking about. Hope deferred can, can make the heart sick the term deferred, of course, just means to delay, to drag out, to postpone, to put off. It's no fun to even say those words. Hope deferred. And as we eagerly hope for something important, it keeps being postponed. The longing we feel within can make our heart sick. It's not just speaking of our emotional being. It's, it's I believe, all-encompassing. It can make our heart sick, our emotional being, mental being, our spiritual being, even our physical being, if we allow it. That's what the writer of Proverbs says. So that's what we, we recognize what we're up against. The word addresses it. Hope delayed, just this, this eternal uncertainty. What do we do about it? This evening, I want to remind you, that you serve the God of hope. Come on. He is with you. You are a messenger of hope. And the ministry in the church that you represent in your city, your state, wherever your ministry takes you, 
is a beacon of hope. Come on. This is, this is what the scripture says to us. We serve a God of hope. Pastor Denny, I've taken your advice. I have a verse for my year. We've traveled together on enough of these sectional prayer and fasting. You finally got through to me. And uh, it was before COVID started, I'll have you know, okay? Romans 15, 13. I just, uh, this has become foundational. Uh, just this, this uh, something to build life upon for me in 2020. May the God of hope. Who? The God of hope. May he fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Why? So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we serve this one that Paul refers to as the God of hope. Wow. There's no shortage of hope. We serve the eternal source of hope. Our hope is not founded upon a government, upon an election, upon our checkbook, even upon our ministry. Our hope is rooted in the God of hope. The God of hope. He is the one. Everything. The one who, who uh, redeemed us changes us, gave us the promises of his word. Everything changes in life when we come to him. Titus 2.13, don't have a scripture uh, on the, the screen for you, but it talks about the blessed hope, the ultimate hope, which is what? Of eternity, of seeing Jesus in his return. That is our blessed hope. Doctrinally, we learn that on our way to credentials as an AG minister, the blessed hope, the ultimate hope. But this hope is not only for eternity. This hope starts the moment we engage with Jesus, the moment we surrender. The God of hope steps into our lives and things change. And Paul prays that this God of hope will fill you with joy and peace. Man, if there's anything I'm looking for today, those two things are at the top of my list. If there's anything lacking in this world today, it's those two things, joy and peace. And the God of peace, the God of hope comes and he offers them to us. He gives them to us joy. Man, it's, uh, it's a little tougher to find joy these days out in the streets of America. I was at, uh, I love, uh, just my wife has taught me to love shopping. <laughs> so I endure shopping. And uh, I was at uh, Ace Hardware. That would be a fun place for me to shop, even though I can't work with my hands. Uh, it would still be a fun place as I feel like I'm a man, a man in there, you know. Uh, and I did not even get into the store. And this, this guy basically took over the parking lot. 
I mean, he was yelling and screaming. He had hit somebody's car. He was ballistic. He was out of control. He didn't even hurt the other car, but because they saw him, and it was just indicative of the day in which we live. Target's a pretty nice place, safe place to shop. It's not quite as, my wife says this to me. She would know. She says, it's not quite as fun to shop as it used to be because people just are on edge. Uncertainty is unsettling. And in their spirit, they don't have what we have, the God of hope. They don't have this joy that we're familiar with. God's joy that he brings to us. The joy of the Lord is our strength. They're not familiar with it. And so they're mad. They're mad at our president. They're mad at the media. They're mad about masks. They're mad about all kinds of things. There's this anger and and madness. And in the midst of that, the God of hope says, Gotcha. Here's some joy. And your life filled with the joy of Christ, your life filled with the Spirit, is like a a $100 bill blowing down the street with a gentle wind. And people take note of that. And they say, where did that come from? Look around. Nobody nobody else is. uh, I want that. That joy unspeakable that God gives to us. Peace might be even a little higher on my list and needed in our world today. God of hope comes and he brings peace. Uncertainty and doubt and fear are what the world lives with. And we live with peace. Philippians 4.13. Excuse me, Philippians 4.17. 7. Says this. He promises us peace that passes understanding. The world doesn't get it. The God of peace, the God of hope, he becomes the God of peace to us as well. And uh, he says, you know what? In that same verse, verse 7, I'm going to give you a guardian, the guardian of peace to guard your heart and your mind. Wow, what a promise. What an amazing God we serve. I, I could, it just seems so, so simple, but there is a part in this equation that we have to play as well. And it's the next part of this verse. May the God of joy, hope, fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Ha, okay, here we go. Seems simple, huh? How easy to get off course. It's simple as long as we spend time in the word. It's simple as long as we are walking in the spirit. It's simple as long as we're not overdosing on social media or CNN or Fox. It's simple. It is. 
It is. But yet, as simple as it is, it's not all that easy. I, uh, as I was preparing a, a few days ago, my mind went back just last week, a, a prayer time where I was just having a, a great time in the Lord's presence. It, it would have been, you know, toward the, 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 the positive side rather than the, anything other than that. You know, and, and in the midst of my prayer time, as I'm just so aware of the Lord's presence, I started thinking about this. And pretty soon I was ticked off. And I was having an argument with myself about masks. It's so easy. Come on, just trust in him. <laughs> keep our focus. If we keep our focus on him, we put our trust in him. It's pretty simple. What is going to be the outcome? Peace and joy are going to be a part of our lives if we'll trust in him. Yet every morning I find I have to recalibrate. And every day through the day, even in my prayer time, so when I'm in the midst of his presence, sometimes I have to recalibrate. Because I've gotten my focus, my trust away from him. Lamentations 3, verses 25 and 26. Look at what the word says. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. Wow. How about that? We put our trust in him. Our hope is in him. He's good to us. We already know that. What does it say to those who seek him? It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Wow. God's promises. That's what these days are all about. We've come to work, not to strive, but to do the work of prayer. And let God do all the rest. We put our trust in him and we quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord in every area of our life. He is present. His promises are everlasting. The final part of that verse in Romans tells us the purpose, the why. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Power. This isn't something we can manufacture. It isn't something that when Pastor Jim gives you a credential, this district gives you a credential that we can give you hope with it. It's not a title of pastor or superintendent that produces hope. It is the power of the Holy Spirit present and living and active and it will overflow naturally in our lives as we walk with him. It's a natural outgrowth. Who is the hope for? Where is it intended to go? I can tell you who it's not for. The church. The overflow of hope is not intended for the church. The overflow of hope is intended for the world. 
those who don't know him, those who are waiting tonight and dying. And the overflow. We've got plenty of hope. We're filled with joy and peace. Filled. If there's joy and peace, there's not room for other things. There's not fear. Room for fear. There's not room for consternation. We fight those things, yes, but God comes when we trust in him, the God of hope, and he brings to us hope. It fills us, and it overflows in us, not for the people that we preach to every Sunday alone. They all, we all need hope, but the overflow, there's an overflow that's mentioned here, and it is specifically for a lost world. We just go back to Acts 1.8. We could preach that in every message, right? Come on. Receive the Holy Spirit. Power comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses to four places. So let's just talk as we close here about four places. We won't go too long. But there's no dinner to get to. So we might as well just take our time and see what the scripture says. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, come on. The overflow of hope, the overflow of God's spirit is intended for Jerusalem. That's where we live. That's your home. That's your church that you lead, you minister. That's the ministry that, that you're at the point of. The church has moved outside its walls. The four walls cannot contain the church. And thank you, COVID, for reminding us of that. We don't need to be in this worship center. We are thankful for it. We don't need to be in your local church. You can be in your parking lot. You can be under a tent. You can be uh, in a city park. All of those things have happened in recent months. The Lord is present with us in our Jerusalem. And we see in this season, God reminding us the power, the overflow of his spirit. Come on, it starts in Jerusalem. And as we think of that, who, who would have imagined the things that, that we have seen in the last few months? Who would have imagined that uh, our government is going to be writing uh, not only checks to us personally, but to the church? Uh, thank you. Okay, we'll take it. Thank you. I paid my taxes, and uh, we'll receive that. Who would imagine that the church could be so quick and nimble to get online? Business is looking at the church and saying, how did they do it? The church has, has become an online presence like never before, to a greater degree. Who would imagine that people would tune in to hear you preach every Sunday? You're famous in your town. They might not come through the doors but they've heard you, they've seen you, they've listened to you online. Who would imagine what has happened here? God is going to take what the enemy meant for evil, isn't he? And use it for good, the God of hope. Don't get frustrated. Don't get frustrated with 20% or 30%, or 40%, or some of you who are a little better with numbers, you'll tell me it's 43.3%. 
Don't get frustrated. We're doing what God called us to do. He's the God of the harvest, the Lord of the harvest. We'll just do what he called us to do and be faithful and watch and see what he does in Jerusalem. Hope is going to overflow in our cities. It's going to happen in our churches, not necessarily only in the walls, the four walls that we have built to house the people. Keep doing what God has called you to do. Trust Jesus and watch the joy and the peace level rise. That will be attractive. That will be attractive. Mm. Judea and Samaria, and we take them together, not because they're less important, because we're running out of time. Judea and Samaria represent two different hurdles. Judea represents the geographic hurdle for the gospel to get beyond this place or the other place. It's a way that is a place that is distant from where you're at, but still attainable without getting on a plane. A geographic hurdle. Samaria, a cultural hurdle. Mm-mm. Here we go. Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota has had a wake-up call. The church in America has had a wake-up call. We can do this. We serve the God of hope. He, He is not perplexed. He is not wondering what his next move is. It's already happening. We can do better at this than the local, state, and federal governments combined. The local church. Jerusalem moves outside of the borders of Jerusalem to Judea. So who's outside of your reach currently, geographically, that needs to be in your reach? The overflow of the Holy Spirit is for that reason. Who's outside of your reach culturally, Currently, you're not getting there. You have no impact there. You, you have nothing to say because you've not invested a dime there. Culturally, Samaria waits. The wake-up call has been sounded. In recent months, we've been dreaming, dialoguing at the, our office about our response I can tell you we're going to have to do more than dream and dialogue. We're going to have to do something. We're going to have to do something. And uh, God's helping us. And I know God is helping you in your Jerusalem to expand your reach to Judea and Samaria. Prayer does not equip us for the greater work Prayer is the greater work. And so we gather to hear from heaven. Judea, Samaria, God, where did I don't, I'm sorry, I don't know a pastor in Minneapolis or St. Paul. So figure it out. Ask somebody. I am so blessed by what I see happening. I see rural churches and I see suburban churches making this 
effort. Not across the board, but there's such positive signs of what God is doing. They're making an effort to reach our cities. We aren't abandoning Jerusalem in Hibbing, okay? We're not abandoning that. But two and a half million people, maybe more, live in Minneapolis and St. Paul in surrounding inner ring suburbs. We've got a pretty good presence across Minnesota in most of our suburbs, not all of them, most of our rural communities. But I can tell you the, the proportion of church and effectiveness to the cities stinks. Wasn't in my notes, trust me. So let's get after it. Judea, Samaria, they're waiting. God is giving us inroads and opportunities. And so when I hear from Pastor Daryl Geddes, who's now serving on our church health team, that there are churches like Emmanuel that have come alongside you and, and provided resources into the city right on Lake Street, our first church in Minnesota, First Assembly of God Church, which you now pastor. When I hear that Emmanuel, and then I hear that Red Wing, New River, comes alongside you and you preached for them, not, this, not yesterday, but the Sunday before, and Pastor Tom, Titanic Tom, he's coming to preach at your place. I just get so excited about these partnerships that are starting to come together. When I hear about a Wilmer reaching into the city and saying, what can we do? Can we help Trinity Tabernacle? Yes. And when I hear from Pastor Gary and Bram, what is happening in coming with your people to Trinity and praying on site with them. Oh, come on. This is what we're talking. This is what the God of hope is wanting to produce with the overflow of hope in our lives. Church, we will do better at coming alongside our city churches and pastors. This is our hour. This is the hour, the time, the moment, and we have to step into it. We don't know where we're going with all of those steps, where they'll lead us, but we're going to walk into it. The Lord is going to, I'm asking the Lord, just lay some names and faces and places upon your hearts, Pastor, as you're here. That you can just develop and begin this eternal relationship with. Because you're going to benefit as a suburban pastor, as a rural pastor, as much as the city pastor does. When we come together and work together, God is in that equation, and it works every time. Oh, man, did we leave out one? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, let's see. Oh, ends of the earth. How about that? There is one more. We are not going to hold back on our efforts to what God has called us to do in reaching the ends of the earth. Amen. Jerusalem, yes. Judea, Samaria, yes. Ends of the earth, yes. Amen. Continue to move forward. God has positioned Minnesota 
in a very unique and powerful way to be part of the ends of the earth ministry. Tomorrow, something will happen at this camp that has never happened before. Three o'clock. We will have 16 new missionaries commissioned in these altars. 16 new missionaries. They've just received their full-term appointment from AGWM, or they're just receiving their MA full appointment for the first time. Incredible. Springfield, our national office, was unable to facilitate this because of COVID, and they asked, would you be willing to? What do you think we said? Yeah, we could probably figure that out. What an honor for us to see what God is doing. And Minnesota gets to be part of this. And I tell you, it's, it's not necessarily happening everywhere. But pastors, ministers, you have led this charge in your church, in your city. And there are incredible things. There's not six, these 16 are not running to me and saying, Mark, you got to help us. Is the district going to pay us? Are you going to help us get in some open doors here? And I haven't had one of them come to me. Not that we would feel bad about that. But you have graciously opened doors, pastors. You have partnered with these who God is calling to ends of the earth. In the same way we want to partner with Judea and Samaria. You're doing that. And we just say, to God be the glory. It's not a perfect time to do this. We already talked about camp. It wasn't a perfect time to launch a camp in 27. The Depression, it wasn't a real great time for missions. Over a course of five years with 22% unemployment at the peak, we went backwards. From 1929 to 1934, we went backwards 9%. That's incredible. Only 9%. Let me tell you, there were people digging and fighting in the trenches in prayer. 9%? 22% unemployment? Are you serious? Well, what happened in 1935? Because the battle had been waged and won from 1934 to 1944, we saw 184% growth in missions in our fellowship alone. The battle is in prayer. And we might think a 9% loss over five years is catastrophic. God wasn't worried. He had a plan. And you may take a step backward once in a while. But I'll take 15 steps forward for one backward any day of the week. You figure out the, the dollars, 184000 by 15, or by 11 years. You're up over 15000 a year. I'll take that. And this isn't ours to figure out. This is the Lord's. Ends of the earth. Lord, help us. God 
has a plan, and please forgive the play on words if you're of a political party that this would offend you. God has a plan that trumps what is happening in our world today. I'm not saying anybody, I don't know who's going to be our next president. I'm just saying God does. And there is also a word definition of Trump that is not political. If you haven't played cards, we'll talk later. Trumps. God trumps. Hallelujah. In our, uh, in our uh, last three years, we've seen growth, as you've heard us report before, from 8.3 million to 12.5 million from 2016 to 2019. That's 50% growth in giving for ends of the earth. I believe God's going to help us to continue. Does that mean a step back? I don't know. I know there's a whole lot of faithful people that are doing all they can. 16 of them, 16 different families tomorrow going to stand in front of us. God's doing what he can do, and uh, people are responding, and Minnesota churches are responding. Got to land the plane. So we go back to Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope in these days fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. Keep your trust. Keep your focus. He's the one who takes care of those who he cares about, those who hope, whose hope is in him. We read that moments ago. So that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we have the privilege of living and experiencing. Prayer does not equip us for great works. Prayer is the greater work. Come on. Let me pray for you. We're going to go back into the song we ended with about a God who is the living hope. And uh, just worship him. And uh, then we'll just allow this room to be a, a place of prayer for till maybe 6.30 or as long as you want to be here. We'll take a little break at 7 o'clock. You'll have the privilege, we'll have the privilege of hearing from Pastor Scott. Father, tonight, we enter into your presence. Uncertainty surrounds us. But not the church, not your children. We push back because we serve the God of hope joy rise up in our hearts peace we embrace you passes all understanding guard our hearts in our minds each of us in our seasons of prayer the next couple of days may they be a sweet sweet season to hear from heaven we've set these days aside lord busy as we can be in ministry nothing comes close to what we will do the next couple of days.
prayer is the greater work is our friend Oswald Chambers spoke to us. Father, let your work go deep in us. Speak to us about Judea and Samaria. Speak to us about the ends of the earth. Lord, we could not pray without praying the Lord of the harvest to send laborers, even as we're here. Speak and call laborers. And we give you praise and thanks for those who will stand before us tomorrow and we will pray and commission. We'll send them out to the ends of the earth. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Continue. Let us not get in your way. Let your hope overflow in us to a lost and dying Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. Hallelujah. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Stand with me, would you?